When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We watch them to laugh. We watch them to cry. We watch them so we can feel that gingerbread feeling. But mostly, we watch them over and over and over again. Holiday movies tend to make deep impressions on us. Maybe it's because we associate them with the best parts of a special time of year, or perhaps it's because there's something everyone in the family can watch in lieu of choking each other out in front of the mashed potatoes. There are scores of big screen gems set during the end of the year holidays. So the great pop culture debate wants to know, what is the best holiday film? I lost the role of Tiny Tim in IBC's Christmas Carol to that bitch Mary Lou Retton. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please help me welcome today's panelists who will be playing the disgruntled elves to my bad Santa. If he woke up tomorrow with his head sewn to the carpet, he wouldn't be more surprised than he is to be on this panel right now. It's Bob Erlenbach. Hallelujah. Holy shit. Where's the Tylenol? <laughs> She traveled through seven levels of the candy cane forest and walked through the Lincoln Tunnel just to be here. It's Joel Bodecker. It's Santa. I know him. I know him. And he knows you. Have you been a good little girl this year, Joel? I've tried. Ugh. Liar. Yeah. <laughs> Give it up. And his heart wasn't the only thing to grow three sizes that day. Please welcome back Michael Schwartz. I swear to God, it's COVID weight. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going someplace a little bit more um, salty with that, but sure, we'll go with that one too. So how does this work? Since this is a mini-sode, there was no public poll. Our panelists created individual lists of their favorite holiday movies. We were broad in our interpretation of holiday movie, by the way. Uh, it just had to relate to one of the end-of-the-year holidays and have a theatrical release. We found which picks had multiple votes and added those to a bracket. Now we argue about it and insult each other, all for your amusement. Looking for made-for-TV holiday specials? We covered those last year, and you can find that episode right now on your podcast platform of choice. Now, if you want to play along at home, you can go to greatpopculturedebate.com and find the polls and brackets tab. There you'll find the listener bracket for this and every episode of our show. Make a copy of it for yourself, fill it out, and see if your picks line up with ours. So before we start, I know that I am on the naughty list with some of my <laughs> panelists for not putting certain <laughs> holiday films on this bracket. Who wants to air their grievances? I'm going to start with Joelle because I know she's got some thoughts. All right. It's my Festivus. I'm yep. here. Yep. I brought out the, the <laughs> poll. It's going to wrestle after this. So let's go. I'm just going to start and apologize to everyone listening that there's just not enough warm, family-friendly uh, movies on this list. And that's because there's just a lot of cold boys on this podcast. I don't it's know true. what happened. It's true. Yeah, true. I, I don't know what the happened. term you're looking for is bitches. I know. I didn't want to call you bitches because I don't know all of you that well. I know two just of you it. that well. It's accurate. <laughs> oh, I'm like Eric. You're fine by calling me whatever. Exactly. Then, then here we are. Bunch of bitches on this podcast. Yep. Thank you. Um, I am one that loves a holiday rom-com. I love them. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, and I'm not talking about the Hallmark ones. I'm talking about the theatrically released ones from the 90s. The ones that, that launched a thousand shitty Hallmark movies. Oh. The ones that launched a thousand <laughs> shitty Netflix movies. The ones that will be talking about one day in the future we're talking about your while you were sleeping the holiday the um home for the holidays wasn't terrible at all 
those are the top three on my list. But going all the way back to like Sleep, Sleepless in Seattle, that was technically a Christmas movie, the first half. Um, you've got Mail, Christmas to Christmas-ish, sure. right? Yeah. Bridget Jones's Diary, another Christmas to Christmas uh, movie. Okay. When Harry Met Salary. What? Yeah, I was going to say, Bridget Jones's Diary is actually great. And I had not even yeah. thought of it as a Christmas music, but but you're right. It is. Totally is. I know that one caught me off guard because there's, you know, some of those movies, they they span a full year. So you kind of forget that they're Christmas movies. Yes. Same thing with the Harry Met Sally. That one spans so many years, but it ends on New Year's. And that's such a significant moment. Um, and then there's Serendipity. That one's another one that spans two Christmases between five years. There's so many of these movies that I've watched over and over and over again. And when I want to get in the holiday spirit, I watch those movies more than I watch just about everything that we're about to talk about. So oh. that's just a grain of salt before we get into this this, uh, this bracket. But uh, I, I will say that some of the movies on this bracket, I do have plenty of nostalgia for, and I will talk honestly about them. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure people listening understand where i'm coming from (laughs) which is important i always get the feedback that people need to understand our rubric so you're really looking more for the good-natured warm and fuzzy romantic comedy type of film and and if even if not romantic just the family one so while you're sleeping is that half family half rom-com there's also that adorable movie prancer from way back in in the 90s that's just about saving a saving a reindeer it's just a sweet family little little story um, all I want for Christmas is sort of a rom-com, but it's really about two kids trying to get their parents back together. And it's really just about adorable little Ethan Embry and what's her face. Oh, I already forgot her name. Little what's her face. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Ghost World. What's her name? Oh, um, oh. Thora Birch. Thora Birch. Thora little Thora Birch, Birch. The cutest version of Thora Birch that ever existed. Yeah. Both of them in that movie were very cute. Anyway, that was 1991. I recommend it for anyone looking for a great little rom-com slash family movie for Christmas. Excellent. Thank you, Joel. Michael, what about you? So I'm going to represent some categories in Christmas movies that are often, well, one of them is often overlooked for Christmas movies. And the other one is, I don't know what I'm doing on a panel of heathens that didn't, that these didn't make this list for God's sake. Oh, sakes. here we go. <laughs> so says the chief heathen. Here's the soapbox ready. Uh-huh. Exactly. Soapbox down, standing up. Okay. How do we get to this? this selection of films when there is and i'm going to use this very mildly there is only one a christmas carol version on this entire list and it's and it's that it's one but literally we don't have a very we don't have a traditional christmas carol Mm -hmm. and for me a traditional christmas carol is 1952 alistair sims playing ebenezer scrooge that is my go-to version of a christmas carol Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there have been so many different versions of A Christmas Carol that have been made over the years. And how do we not have a Muppets Christmas Carol yeah. up here, for God's sake? I am I am like beside myself that this has been missed. I got to tell you, and, and I'm sure the people listening right now are clutching their pearls. They are agog. <laughs> I am too, folks. I don't know how it didn't make the list. I didn't put it on my list, though. I guess I'm partially to brave. Um, Neither did I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'd say in general... I blame Bob. Okay. So, yeah, no, you know, we're, it really should have been on Bob's list because I watched it for the first time this year. I never saw it in my childhood. And I and watched, you loved it, didn't you? I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's okay. <gasps> and I have to I say- just, I had just watched- gas. I had just watched A Muppet's <clears throat> Haunted House and that was way better. <laughs> so that's the problem. Okay, before we even get started, for everybody who knows, this is the first time Joelle and I have been on a panel <laughs> together. 
You're dead to me. <laughs> it, 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 uh, it was a short-lived I'd, friendship. Don't worry, Joel. Short. He always says that. Look, we're never gonna <laughs> I'd rather see, be... We're never going to see that Broadway musical. No, no. I'd rather be locked in a room with Amy Pilot and some, you know, grape nuts, for God's sake. <laughs> Anyhow, um, the other category of films that I want to say did not get a, a good representation on here. There's only one in the bracket, really, but it is the horror Christmas films. You know, mm-hmm. the ones that, like, I... and. I know that I missed one of these when I made my original list. And so part of it's on me that I don't think anybody showed up for. The first one that I think really should have been on here is Anna and the Apocalypse. Yes. I just wrote that down yesterday. I was like, how did I forget yeah. about that one? Yeah. So I, like, I forgot about it too. And like, this is kind of my, my, my genre. I like, so my rubric is I tend to like off kilter, non-traditional Christmas movies or holiday movies in general. So whereas like Joelle is very like the rom-com kind of thing, I am like the weirder, the better. <laughs> I'm okay with that kind of shit. Oh, I forgot we're being, no, anyhow. No, you're matter. fine. Um, I this know, is not for I know children. We're fine. <laughs> this is not suitable for work. Um, but Anna and the Apocalypse, I think it's a great one. It is, you know, a Christmas movie meets zombie movie meets Buffy the Vampire Slayer once more with feeling kind of thing and it is amazing i've heard nothing but um, good things i've not yeah. yet watched it but yeah. i've heard amazing things well you've got until the end of the year to figure figure that out <laughs> and the other one that was like near and dear and top of my heart that i think is a amazing christmas horror film because not only is it just well done but it has got such an amazing story behind it too is krampus <sighs> i can't tell whether that was a i'm frustrated <sighs> with you or i agree with you i Eric, you know, okay, you can- Eric, you know, I love Krampus. Yes, yes. And I, I just, I couldn't with the movie. I was like, oh God, I wish that had been better. But anyway. Okay, you'll have your soapbox in a minute. It's got so a great, ca- it's got a great cast. <laughs> it does. I think it's really, I think it's a really great Christmas film. You know, dysfunctional family. Everybody's going to hell. You know, <laughs> I'm all, I get all behind that. You know, drag me to hell with a with a snow with a, like snowflakes falling behind it. So, and you know, being German myself, Krampus is like just a very important part of my cultural heritage as well. So, um, I think that more people need to take a moment and look at horror Christmas films at this time of year. Um, but so step down, soapbox put away. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's actually great. And I think it's a good idea, Michael, maybe you and I offline can work up a list of, of Christmas horror films. And Joelle, you can give me a list of Christmas romance films mm-hmm. and we can have some supplemental materials to put onto this on social media. Like here are our panelists' top five in those categories that didn't make our bracket. Absolutely. I think that'd yeah. be really fun. Yeah, um, alternatives to the bracket. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Alternate facts. Um, and now we're ready to hear what Bob has to say. Before we get to that, I do want to point out, though, um, just as a, as a sidebar, um, I love Krampus. And one of the very first public events I ever did uh, back in Rochester, I want to say 2015. No, earlier than no, that. It was like 2010, 2011. It was, like it was a long time ago. It was like seven mm-hmm. or eight years ago, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. Um, we put on Breakfast with Krampus. Uh, which was an alternative breakfast with Santa because there are 5 million breakfast with Santas everywhere. And we decided <laughs> the way that it was going to happen, we, we had a community center that allowed us to take over. We had a full-on Krampus costume that my older brother in the role he was born to play, um, a, a, a demon who beats and berates people. <laughs> um, you came with a free gift to donate to children. And if Krampus thought your gift was suitable, then you got a free breakfast item. And uh, there was like a little holiday shop with local artists. And and if you didn't bring in a gift or if 
Krampus thought your gift was <laughs> shitty. He would um, make fun of you in front of a crowd, like people were filling pews, and he would beat you with his stick. And um, it was a it was a gas. It was amazing. I would have loved to do it again. Maybe we will sometime. Um, Eric, you can't see this right now, but my hand is raised really high in the air. <laughs> I will find and pay for that Krampus outfit myself to do oh, that. You do, we oh. would need Krampus version 2.0 <clears throat> because I'm pretty sure Krampus 1.0 was first of all ruined by the stink of my brother, and secondly eaten by various creatures in the Kara Austin basement. So, um, Well, I know. I'll do it better than Brian did anyway. I'm sure you Eric, will. I have the strangest fun fact. Yesterday, uh, Facebook told me that you and I have a friendiversary. Oh. And the, the picture Ooh. that it showed me for our friendiversary was my cat. And I was like... <laughs> This is strange. You, you have never met my cat, Eric. This is just a treat that is <laughs> universally known. But I looked at the picture and I zoomed in really far and I found a tiny pin, a, a Krampus pin. Yeah, I believe cool. in Krampus pin sitting behind my cat. And that's why I had tagged you in that photo. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. So maybe we will have a, a crampling reunion. So anyway, well, there's a sidebar. Sorry to go off topic. Bob, what about you? What films did you I wish were on the bracket? I unfortunately missed that breakfast with Krampus. Mm. Ugh, I had already moved away. Did you see, yeah. Yeah. Come uh, back when we do it, Bob. I'll beat you with a stick. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so there wasn't okay, maybe maybe I shouldn't say this. There wasn't a ton of movies from my list that didn't didn't make it. Humble um, brag. If you're all still raw about it when you're older, I'll be waiting. <laughs> 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 one I one that I was surprised didn't, and maybe I I think I was the only one to put it on my list was Meet Me in St. Louis. Mm. Um, I, I I had actually only really watched this movie recently, and I I loved it. I was like I haven't seen this before. It's it's um often associated with the holidays. It's in one. It's featured prominently in one of the um holiday movies from our bracket. <clears throat> um, and I had never seen it until recently, and I was like, wow, this is really good, and. Um, it's the movie that has clang, clang, clang with the trolley, et cetera. Ring, ring, um, ring with the bells. Yeah. yeah. So is it surprised. a holiday movie, like like mostly, or is it just have a couple holiday songs in it? It's it yeah. Many it's many holidays, it, actually. It's like every yes. holiday. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yep. It's like every season, every holiday. Uh, so it's um, like, an, it's an Easter. It's a Halloween, it's a, Easter. The it's Halloween a flag day. amazing, <laughs> actually. Guy Fox day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised that didn't make it on, but then the one that I was really hoping would make it on and i knew it probably never would was i'll be home for christmas starring jonathan taylor thomas <laughs> oh my god i know how joelle feels about it she hate watched it one I day hate, <laughs> i hated it from beginning to end <laughs> awful yeah well, i'm with you it's 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 not good um and i knew it wouldn't make the bracket but i love it for some reason maybe because of the jtt nostalgia i don't know um, um but... i look forward to telling you bob which movie on this bracket my husband liked um, that movie more than because uh, he, he watched that movie and went, this isn't that bad. And I went, okay. And then we watched a popular movie on this bracket and he went, I like that JTT movie better. Uh -oh. <laughs> uh -oh. Wow. So I'm very future, curious as to what that's future be. spoiler. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, that was really what, what it came down to for me was just the JTT of it all. But, um, and then another movie that I had on my list too was grumpy old man, which has, um, which features Christmas in it. And it's just an amazing movie Aww, all around with yeah. Burgess, Mer Burgess Meredith. Yeah. Burgess Meredith is amazing in that movie. Yes. He is so yeah. funny. Yes. So filthy. So oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like old one is going to take the boat to Tuna Town. <laughs> like, <Yep>. Holy shit. <laughs> Every line out of his mouth is amazing in that movie. 
Uh, so it should be called Dirty yeah. Old Men. It's it brilliant. should. Yeah. Um, well, so that was it. speaking of Burgess Meredith and the Penguin, one of the ones that I was said to make the list was uh, Batman Returns, which is unquestionably a mm-hmm. Christmas film. The whole thing yes. set during Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not surprised it didn't make it. Uh, we only had 16 for this bracket, folks. So, you know, decisions had to be made. But I do love the kind of ridiculous, over-the-top Gotham, like 1920s style gaucheness of their Christmas. That's the Christmas I wish I could live every day. Bats coming out of a gigantic tree downtown, slaughtering Miss Merry Christmas. That's what I want out of my holiday season. Um, also, speaking of terrible films that I knew wouldn't make the list, but I still have intense nostalgia for, does anybody besides me, or was this a fever dream, remember the 1980s Santa Claus the movie? Yes, 100%. With yes, I remember that. Dudley, Dudley Moore. Moore uh, yes. John Lithgow devouring every inch of scenery. <laughs> Um, there's nothing left and a plot that involved magic puce candy canes um it's not good it's it's objectively terrible but as a kid i was obsessed with it because i was a kid like when it came out and i was like this is the movie about santa claus this is what i want um terrible but still something i do love and i i'm suspecting other 80s kids are with me on that and then finally uh gpcd panelist amy pilot hi amy put in a good word for the christmas chronicle films yeah which are on the first one i i personally have not seen them i'm not going to talk about the second one but the first one was a fun watch were those theatrical no they were netflix only and that is the challenge right because they are feature-length films but they were maybe they had a limited theatrical lease release that's what i was going to check on i don't know that they did i don't know netflix yeah but kurt russell is daddy af in those movies and (laughs) yes certified delight goldie hawn so i'm sure they're great i i uh, they may have just been made for tv and we weren't including those in this list um or i also think they were just a little bit too recent to make the list so with that being said let's dip into the eggnog and get on to the actual debates our panel unanimously decided that national lampoon's christmas vacation should hop on its supersonic sled and shoot past miracle on 34th street i know that joelle and michael actually both nominated miracle they just nominated different versions of it um i know we've already kind of gotten 20 minutes into this uh, any actual debates but uh does anybody want to say anything about their version of miracle quickly i I did want to say I actually had the opportunity to watch both of them. I did a little double feature of both miracles and I don't like either of them now. (laughs) (laughs) I found both Santas to be truly awful. They Mm -hmm. made me dislike Santa. (laughs) Um, They made me find Christmas to be as consumerist as I ever imagined it to be. And did you know the first movie was entirely sponsored by Macy's the original Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. I I, I never watched the original. I watched the remake, which was a fake Macy's called Coles. K C C O L E apostrophe yes. S. Oh, not yes. Coles Cash Coles. No, no, no. no. Coles Cash. Not, no. It is Christmas. If you're not going for that. late 90s and beyond Coles, but the yeah. C O L E Coles. Okay. Uh yeah, no, uh totally different, not sponsored by Macy's. Um, but yeah, I found both Santa Claus to be incredibly rude and pretentious and not very magical. So um, well, I'm good with it going away. <laughs> Michael? I think that like it ends up on my list for pure nostalgia yeah. reasons, but like the original 1947 vision, version, Edmund Gwynn is literally what becomes the archetype of who Santa really is for the modern day. You know, I think that he plays it, but he like physically, 
he kind of like embodies a lot of what we all eventually become to know is what is the modern day Santa for us. So I will say the uh, 1994 Santa is John Hammond from Jurassic Park. So that's delightful. (laughs) (laughs) I kept thinking, I kept thinking through the whole thing. I I know. I just wanted to put a little hat on him. (laughs) (laughs) Little shorts on him. (laughs) He's got candy canes with uh, mosquitoes embedded in them. I watched it for, I watched it for this podcast too. And I, I thought it made a like really bad Law and Order episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or the was, practice, yeah. yeah, yeah. That would have been hilarious if it had chung chung in between. <laughs> and uh, I still don't, I still don't understand why Santa was living at like a homeless place. I still don't understand if you're really Santa, why are you living there? But whatever. Yeah, I mean, Santa had anger issues. I just, it was a lot. I just couldn't mm-hmm. handle it. He is canonically a ginger, and so I think that might have something to do with it. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Three quarters of the panel preferred Kevin McAllister's first ghosted Christmas in Home Alone, but Michael said, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, and wanted to blow shit up by choosing Die Hard. Joelle, why is Michael an angel with a filthy soul? Michael, explain why Die Hard is not just a Christmas movie, but one of the best Christmas movies. And I'm going to have Joelle go first. Um, I'm not going to go too deep on this because it is a three to one. So I'm, I'm going to save a little bit for later. Um, but I will say, uh, Home Alone is, 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 is a, like became an instant classic. Um, it came out, it, no one was expecting it to do as well as it did. I think it came out at that perfect mid November time. It was that Thanksgiving movie. Um, and then for the rest of the nineties, it showed up every Thanksgiving on broadcast television, it became this movie that people expected to kick off the holiday season. It is it, for, for people in my, in my generation, I'm a few years younger than most of you, uh, for people in wow, my generation, ouch. I know <laughs> shots fired. I'm a whole, I'm a whole, what, three years younger than some of you. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, it became, it became the beginning of the holiday season. And for that alone, it is synonymous with holiday movies. I, th- um, I think it is I, like the millennials cinematic version of Mariah Carey, right? Like we I, well, defrost yeah. Mariah and we and also we, get out the home alone DVD. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a ton I can talk about. Um, the, the the Chris Columbus of it all, the music, everything. I'll get into so much of it if I need to. But I want to hear what uh, Michael has to say. Yeah, I want to hear Michael's argument on on Die Hard. Go for it, Michael. Now I'm just going to hope that the microphone picks us up. <sighs> Yawn. <laughs> so okay. Picture it. Los Angeles, 1988. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Exactly. And okay, this I think feeds back into a lot of things that people said during the what films missed the the thing. This is not Christmas movies do not have to be literal Christmas movies for them to be Christmas movies. So like we talked about, like Joel, you mentioned Sleepless in Seattle and you've got mail and a lot of those rom-coms of the 90s that don't they have a little Christmas influence? This is all about Christmas. This happens at Christmas time for you. Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Nakamura Tower, explosions, gunfights, you know, bad German accents. Um, it's and it's one of these few action films that are set in Christmas that have endured. You know, again, this is another genre of Christmas movies that people don't think about. Like I horror movies don't think about Christmas. Action movies, you're not thinking about Christmas in any way, shape, or long. Home Alone's good, but give me something that's going to get my heart racing. 
Okay. You know, and I think that die hard and I'm dying on this hill. I am not changing my vote, but I doubt I'm going to change any of your minds, but it really is. Yeah. It's just a great movie to begin with. And it happened to be set at Christmas and it is something that I will watch maybe two times during the holiday season this year while getting in the rest of my holiday fix for everything else. Um, I appreciate the strong argument. Uh, I don't appreciate the Bonnie Bedelia erasure. I'll just put that out there. Yeah, um, no mention, no mention yeah. at all. Holly Gennaro, um, please, Holly <laughs> Gennaro. Um, no, but in all honesty, I love Die Hard. It's a great movie, and I am a firm believer that it is a Christmas film. Um, and everything, I echo everything you say. It is a awesome action film, and I, I'm not taking away any of its flowers. It's just up against Home Alone. And to me, if you're saying, which one of these two are you going to watch? It's the holiday season. I'm going to pick Home Alone. Bob, where are you on this one? Yeah, I'm with, Home, I'm with Home Alone too. Home Alone is actively being a Christmas movie. And I don't believe that Die Hard is. It just happens to be a movie that takes place at Christmas. And we can tie it in for those reasons. Um, I don't see them trying to deliver any of the Christmas spirit or the Christmas joy to me in any way, like Home Alone might. I mean, That's actually what's so unfortunate. I actually would have voted for Die Hard against a lot of other movies on this list, but just not Home Alone. I will agree with that, honestly, Michael. If it was up against two or three other films, I easily would have voted for Die Hard here. It's just up against Home Alone. And that was the luck. Oh, I know. I knew I wasn't going to change any of your minds. You know, you've all been brainwashed by the commercialism of capitalism for Christmas. But you It's know true. What? The media decided this was our movie and it is our movie, uh, you know. There's something there's happens. something about Home Alone that like it can happen to you. Right. And it's it's every person's family and, you know, all of those things like it's just it's relatable in those ways. And I can't relate to Die Hard in in any ways because I'm never going to be in a in a building like that. I'm, and I'm never going to have those skills. I'm never I'm never going to be able <laughs> right. to save a tower. I'm just I just can't. <laughs> and you guys are all good. will best me in that moment. He just will. <laughs> but sometimes somebody should take the red pill, Neo. Take the red pill. <laughs> all right. So it sounds like we are advancing Home Alone. As a, a quick plug, um, the movies that made us on Netflix has episodes devoted to both of those films. Yes. Super interesting. Recommend that you watch them because it's oh, there's a lot of really cool behind the scenes details. Like Home Alone barely got made. It's, it's so interesting. Um, next up, the majority of the panel appreciated the feet of clay that is the night before Christmas, excuse me, the nightmare before Christmas. But I prefer the jubilant song and dance filled White Christmas. Bob, explain why Nightmare is your dream holiday movie. Well, I argue why all our Christmases should be white. And Bob, I'm going to have you go first. Well, I mean, sure. I mean, it is Nightmare Before Christmas. It For me, it, it's... There's a lot of nostalgia, I think, associated with all the movies on this bracket, right? It's going to be hard for us to separate just the nostalgia and what calls out to us specifically um, over another movie, right? Um, That kind of tried, kind of clouded my judgment a lot through trying to come up with with picks for these movies. It's just like, well, I just like this movie more, and I I think in this case that is where it's going to come down to between these two. Um, But let's let's not ignore that Nightmare is an incredible film that took years to years to create. Um, you can watch it year round. You can, it covers multiple holidays. You can watch it for Halloween. You can watch it for Christmas. Um, it also features some of the other holidays and other holiday characters in it as well. Um, beautifully shot, painstaking detail. Um, just the love that went into creating this movie is undeniable. Um, really a lot of my 
choice in just this pairing here is how much I hate White Christmas. <laughs> and and it's not it's not special to me in any way. I feel like the, we have some songs cobbled together with a dull story with no acting whatsoever. It's, hi, I'm Bing Crosby and I'm Danny F and K. Sitting here showing you I can sing and dance. Big fucking deal. <laughs> um, like, it's, I have zero nostalgia for it. Kids, I don't even know children would... I can't imagine children would watch this and like it. Maybe you did, Eric. Like, <laughs> no, I, no. I, I don't. I don't know. I'm anxious to hear your your arguments. Yes. I am for so the looking forward to this. That is White Christmas. I'm so glad that you asked. So, um, actually, no, I didn't like White Christmas the first time I saw it. And in fact, for those at home, please get your your drinks ready. The first time I saw it was with you, Bob, when we watched it in chorus, <laughs> chorus. in high school, because it was that period after we did the holiday concert, but before holiday break started, so they had nothing to do with us. And it was like, here, watch some movies on VHS. Because mm-hmm. um, that was when they had VHS players, and um, I was like, "This movie's fucking boring. Like, it's it's oh, yeah. dull." As you said, like it did not speak to me in any way. But I recently rewatched it with my partner's family over the holidays a couple years ago, pre-COVID, and I actually really loved it. Um, it, it is the most old Hollywood of all of the movies on this list, I think. Um, you've got Bing Crosby, you've got Danny Kaye, you've got Rosemary Clooney, you've got Vera Ellen. Like, these are just movie stars that are dripping with talent and charisma and bob is correct they're not exactly doing heavy lifting on the acting but Mm -mm. they don't have to because really they're almost kind of playing themselves and one of the things that stuck out to me watching it most recently and why i didn't like it as a teenager is it's actually tackling some pretty heavy issues what it was like for gis coming back from world war ii and what is your life like now after being like a general in the army now you're supposed to go back and just be a regular dude in an office. Um, So it's telling that story, but it's also song and dance men, right? Like the production numbers in this movie are spectacular. The dancing is incredible. There are some great songs. I mean, White Christmas, duh, whatevs. But there are also some other really great ones. I, I, I have to address this because it's like, you can't talk about this movie and not acknowledge it. There is a number in it called The Minstrel Show. Thankfully, it does not actively include blackface, but it is talking about going to see shows in which people perform in blackface, which is really uncomfortable and really awful. However, that sequence is amazing. The The dancing that happens in that sequence is just incredible. Vera Ellen should have been a much bigger star than she was, um, but it's not the only one. The costumes in this are, are luxurious. Um, the whole thing it feels like a rich old Hollywood movie in a way that I think is going to appeal to anyone over the age of 50. A hundred. Sure. Kids are not, <laughs> kids are not going to dig this movie at all. Kids are going to be like generous. I, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But like, if you're looking for something to put on while Nana gums, her fruit bread, her fruit cake, I'm going to say, go with white Christmas. I'm not going to convince anyone on this. No, so I'm going to go. No, certainly uh, not. Michael, Nightmare? Oh, uh, okay. First of all, like this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And like three or four years ago, pre-pandemic, went and saw a live concert version of this at um, the Barclays Center, where it literally was Danny Elfman, Catherine O'Hara, you know, Ken Page, all up on stage, you know, singing live to an orchestra while the film played behind them. So if anything else in today's day and age, all we have to say is, Catherine O'Hara sure. is in this movie. Yeah. 
and that, and she plays an amazing Sally and she sings those and the music is amazing. And it just, it's a, it's a great story. There is, uh, it, it's not just the fact that this is one of my favorite films. I think it is just so incredibly well done. Danny Elfman and Tim Burton bring this incredible story and visuals to life for us, as opposed to White Christmas. I do need to point out a fallacy in your logic because Catherine O'Hara was also in Home Alone and you just mm-hmm. talk shit all over mm-hmm. that. So I'm just. Oh, no, that. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I'm not. Yeah, but she was in that, but she wasn't as an integral part as she was to Nightmare Before Christmas. That's fair. And you know, I'm just yanking your chain. Oh, I know that. No matter how wrong you might be. And, and I'm it grew three wrong. sizes that day. <laughs> <laughs> Joelle? Um, well, so this is one of those movies, Nightmare Before Christmas, that I absolutely adore as a Halloween movie. It's a wonderful Halloween movie. I'm going to call it a Halloween movie for the rest of this conversation because it is 100% a Halloween movie, despite mm-hmm. its name. Uh, that said, White Christmas was completely unwatchable because it's a war movie that happens to have a few fun Christmas songs at the end. Um, mm-hmm. I hated that so much, beginning to end. Hate watched it. Everything Bob said, I thought he was walking through my head. I was mm-hmm. like, wait, Bob, do we watch this together? Was this one of those mm-hmm. things? In spirit. I truly hated it. I don't like, I get what you said, Eric. I believe you. My husband saw what you saw. He was like, isn't it great? I was like, no. Um, no, no. no. Anyway, Nightmare Before Christmas wins because it is a beautiful, wonderful movie for Halloween, and it's still a beautiful, wonderful movie in general, so it wins. All right. <laughs> Moving on, the panel was evenly split between Kevin McAllister's second Christmas spent nearly murdering escaped convicts and Katie Holmes passing the stuffing in the Thanksgiving set Pieces of April. Joelle, give us a piece of your mind on pieces while I check into the Plaza Hotel and stump for Home Alone 2. I'm going to have Joelle go first. So this is funny. Home Alone 2 was the one on my original list and Home Alone 1 was not because in my weird nostalgia of it all, I was like, New York City. Oh, that's so much better than the original. It's great. And then I rewatched both and I realized just how redundant the second one was. It was hitting all the same notes. There was a very little originality despite the the efforts of, you know, now we're in the Plaza Hotel. Now we're amping up all the action and all of the um, excitement and things like that. I just found I found a lot of the, the family antics uh, to be way less enjoyable the second time around and a lot of the um, the thieves antics to be uh, way, way less um, frightening the second time around. Um, I, there were there were some, you know, obviously Christmas in New York moments that were wonderful, but all in all, Home Alone 2 was not as great as Home Alone 1. So that's all I'm going to say there. But let me talk about Pieces of April. Um, this is the only Thanksgiving movie on our list. We tried... Yeah. I looked through everything in the world to find Thanksgiving movies. I found three. Uh, the only one I added to this list was, I actually had two to my list. There was Home for the Holidays, which is a fantastic Thanksgiving movie. Uh, <clears throat> I also discovered Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is actually a pretty good Thanksgiving movie. Totally forgot yeah. about it until yeah. two days ago. Yeah. Uh, and then here's Pieces of April, which is a, a beloved forgotten movie that um, we all kind of wax nostalgia about as we were putting this list together. At least Bob and I did. Mm-hmm. Um what I like about this movie is it is it feels like Thanksgiving from beginning to end. That that feeling of trying to get home or trying to visit your family and tr- that 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 dread, that existential dread of is this going to be the worst thing I've ever done ever? And will I make the worst meal? Will it be terrible when I get there? Do I like my family enough to go through all of this? Everyone, if you have a family, has gone through that. Uh, it is the most relatable movie you've ever watched from that capacity. Um, there's some, there's just beautiful moments in there. The, 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 the sick mother, Oliver Platt, just doing his absolute 
like most fantastic acting. I mean, he's done lots of great acting over the years, but I thought he was really great in this movie. Uh, little baby Allison Pill is in this movie. Um, Katie Holmes, not a great actress, but she held her best in it the best she could. Um, she lives in this fantastic quirky building and she's running around with a turkey. And it's just these classic Thanksgiving scenes that like the dual road trip, she's going through a road trip in her building and they're going through a road trip through Connecticut. And as a kid that grew up in Connecticut, that felt pretty cool to me. <laughs> um, I always bring up Connecticut and the fact that I'm a Jew on all of these podcasts, it just happens. Um, so that one's that, there we go. Is that, is that a drink? Is that something yep. we should drink? Check too? Box mm-hmm. is, is Mark. Check box. <laughs> um, I don't know. This one, this one just checks the boxes for me. I wanted a Thanksgiving movie on this list and it, it, it definitely works for me. And, and we already have home alone making it through the bracket and home alone too, just doesn't feel like it needs to follow up. So I'm glad you said that. Um, I Here's my thing. Hot take, Home Alone 2 is better than Home Alone 1. I understand what you're saying, that it is reductive because it takes the same beats from Home Alone 1, almost like one for one, but it makes them all better. The Bird Lady is way better than Old Man with a Bucket. The Brownstone of Death is a better trap <laughs> than the McAllister House. The City of New York is a better setting than wherever the hell he is in Ohio. Um, it, it's just, to me, it is a much, it, it's everything that you loved about Home Alone 1, but amped up in a way that makes it better. And it's interesting that you find the burglars to be less threatening in this one, because I watched it again recently. I was like, this is genuinely terrifying. Like, they're threatening a child with a gun. Like, that doesn't happen <laughs> in the first one. I'm like, this is really kind of unsettling. And if I watch this as like an eight-year-old, I think I'd be very scared. But then you watch like the actual abuse that he deals out to those kids. The bricks in the face scene is still, I will laugh every goddamn time one of those bricks hits those motherfuckers in the face. It is hilarious. And then the toilet filled with kerosene, splendid face. Amazing. And Tim Curry is the nosy hotel employee. (laughs) It's great. It's great. That all being said, I am right now split and I will throw my vote to pieces of April if only because having two home alones in the Elite Eight seems a little egregious to me. And so um, also Christmas is coming and I'd like to give a gift to Katie Holmes and she's not going to win anything else. So um, also, can we just drop a few points to Home Alone 2 because of a certain cameo that shall remain nameless? Uh, yes, uh, yes, no. please. I, know. I, had it, I had it in my notes. Ugh, it makes me uh, like, it, it came <clears throat> don't on. say anything about what it. I what I also had in my notes was he's not home. And he's not alone. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what we're talking about here. You know, there was actually this moment in the at the end of the movie. I was so I was watching this and I was like, okay, but he could have escaped that time and that time, but he stuck around so he could really fuck with those those thieves. Whereas in the first movie, like he was stuck in his house defending his house, but mm-hmm. like in the second movie, he could have left that 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 brownstone like fifty five times. He wasn't and like defending it, ladies and gentlemen. That's how he became the Punisher. Like I know maybe you <laughs> yeah. didn't get that note, but yes, that's how he became a serial vigilante. Uh, Michael, are you sticking with Home Alone too? Um, I just want to say that this was one of two matchups that were in the bracket that I didn't give a fuck. About. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, I really, I really don't care about either of these movies at all. But um, and, and the other bracket that I didn't care about was one one unanimously. So we're not even probably going to talk about it, which I'm <laughs> fine with. But in this case, I literally put down Home Alone two strictly for Tim Curry. But I don't care, so I'm happy to switch over to pieces of April. That's fair, Bob. Yeah, I'm going to stick with pieces of April. I, I don't see 
everything Joelle it was like Joelle was walking through my brain as she did, <laughs> as she as she spoke about pieces of April. I'm not going to throw away the only the only Thanksgiving movie on this list for a crappy facsimile version of the original Home Alone with the same beats and a, some hobo in a park with turtle doves. Like what the fuck? Two, two, two turtle doves. Two turtle doves and a hobo. It's, it's the line reading. Two turtle doves. Sorry, the level I just, of disrespect far too much. Justice for Pigeon Lady. All right, so pieces of Lady is being advanced. <laughs> Happy Holidays, podcast lover. Looking for gift ideas for the pop culture fanatic in your life? Head over to gpcd.threadless.com and shop our designs. T-shirts, mugs, face masks, tote bags, we've got it all. And most of it is customizable. And it's not just our logo. We have sassy slogans and other conversation starters as well, which reminds us, time to add a shameless plug design for the shop for next year. But for now, check out the store at gpcd.threadless.com. And while you're there, pick up something nice for you. You deserve it. Next, in a unanimous decision, the panel decided to advance the feel-good weeper, the family stone, which stood outside of Love Actually's door with a series of signs that said, you're a loser. Also, <laughs> who cheats on Emma Thompson? I mean, really. Seriously, really. We should, we should figure yeah. out how to do an episode where we just pan Love Actually for 20 minutes, Ugh. because I would love to do that one day. This is not the moment. But I have mm-hmm. notes upon notes about Love Actually. I, actually, I would have walked off this set. Can we, do a, can we just do a bracket about each storyline and we'll have actually and which one is the worst? Uh, I think that's actually a really good idea. Let's put that in the hopper for next holiday season. And let's bring, let's bring Amy on that one because I think she'll oh, yeah. have some opinions. She will lose her mind. It would be <laughs> spectacular. All right. Why so. is this Why is this podcast become Let's Torture Amy podcast? <laughs> I don't understand. Poor Amy Pilot. We love you, Amy. We love, we love you, Amy. Amy. Uh, three quarters of us preferred Ralphie's mid-century misadventures in a Christmas story, but Bob wanted to strap on a fat suit and rep for the Santa Claus and Tim Allen? So, Michael, get out your little orphan Annie decoder pin and find the secret to advancing Christmas story. Bob, (laughs) Tim Allen? I'm going to have Michael go first. Thank you. (laughs) Well, if if he's going to argue for Tim Allen, obviously that's not COVID week for him. No. Um... I I don't even know what to say here because seriously, is there any chance that like how Bob how after all the podcasts that we've been through together, how do you do this to like humanity? Okay, we can pivot and like Bob, do you want to talk about that? Or? Sure, let I, me. Yeah, go, I just start. Let me give you like, a, let me give you a laundry list I, of the reasons I hate a Christmas story. Can I also <laughs> just jump in and say I'm much more on the fence than originally? So that my my vote's winnable. So let's just let's let's let Bob okay. let's, okay. let Bob talk. Right. Bob, go ahead. Well, let's start with Bob. I I I feel like yes. I, I love to hear that from you, Joelle. But I I think I was going into this probably on a sinking ship. Um, I mean, I'm the only one that picked it so far off of the bracket. It's a better movie. It's more fun for me. Christmas story. Uh, can somebody tell me the story of a Christmas story? Yes. It's, or, yes. Please tell me. Please tell me somebody. It's about a kid who really wants to get a specific item for Christmas and his whole Riveting. Opening. Riveting. That is like a legitimate thing. Like if no. you're a kid, like I, I saw myself in Ralphie. I still see myself in Ralphie. Where's my goddamn BB gone? 
<laughs> I, it's I mostly just, a bunch of shitty vignettes, though. That's yeah, what that's, I was just going to say. It's all these vignettes that add up to nothing for me. The leg lamp thing is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Like, I, I, it, I know oh, people are going to hate me. I need to tone it. probably the only funny thing about the whole movie. There's literally, <laughs> there's literally no story to it. And it relies on this nostalgia, which I don't really have a lot of nostalgia for. Um, it, I don't know. It just, I feel like they, they just cobbled together a bunch of little vignettes to, to, to trick us into thinking they had this fun little story. And it's just about a kid who wants a gun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) see, see, it's about a kid who wants a gun. And what's more American than that? (laughs) It's Um, true. Whereas Santa Claus is a, I I think it's very fun. I find it funny. I think it's a cute story. That's not like really any other Christmas story that's out, ooh, Christmas story, like any other Christmas movie that's really out there. It, it gives a, a new version of a Santa Claus story. It gives a little bit of a fun little background to like, oh, gosh, this could happen. And there's murder in the beginning. So I love it. All right, Michael. Uh, um, OK, so we're going to start again. Picture it. <laughs> Hammond, Indiana, Cleveland Street. <laughs> No, it's okay. So, can anybody remind me what's the name of our, our our podcast again? It's the Great Pop Culture Debate. Correct. What has had an actual impact on pop culture for us? Santa Claus with Tim Allen, or a Christmas Story? Everybody can quote you that Ralphie wanted an official Red Rider carbine action, two hundred shot range mo- range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and a thing that tells time. I can't do that. Sorry, I can't tell you that. But well, that's because you're a sociopath. <laughs> But you can also get like there are so many things like you'll shoot your eye out. Yes. That is something that hap- that people will quote over and over again. The bunny costume, for God's sakes, that Aunt Clara gives him. That has been a Chris. How many more people have worn that as a Chris a Halloween costume for people? The triple dog dairy where you're going to stick your tongue to the flagpole. You know, I mean, there are so many references that come out of this movie that have actually become part <laughs> of the pop cultural pop cultural canon for us plus it is it is a story of a family trying to survive the holidays together which is the same thing that a lot of the other movies that you guys have argued about during the course of this for us yes it focuses on ralphie and there's a lot of nostalgia in it but it's a family getting to know each other and be together during the holidays you know the same thing that every other family has to go through during the holiday season together i also will i'm going to point out because i think this is an important point of discussion here TBS for years has run Christmas story back to back to back to back for 24 entire 24 hours. hours on Christmas day. That wouldn't yes. be happening if it wasn't wildly popular. Now, was that a reason to advance it as the best movie? No, but I think it does underscore Michael's point that as a pop culture item, as a pop culture kind of concept, it is wildly embraced, even if it doesn't do it for panelists on this, which I get because Bob pointed this out. It relies very heavily on not just nostalgia, but specifically boomer nostalgia, white Mm -hmm. middle class boomer nostalgia. Um, But I think it does that really well. And Mm -hmm. like it or not, that's still a significant portion of our population. Um, Joelle. So I hear you on all of that. Um, I'm going to go back to my age again on this one. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I was 11 when the Santa Claus came out. And again, as a Jewish kid. I didn't know a shit ton about Santa or Christmas. I do a little bit. Um, believe it or not, it was just not in my world. I've heard, I'd seen parts of the Christmas story and I knew about the shoot your eye out and the BB gun. It was like hard to avoid. But I didn't know a lot about Santa and I didn't, I had never read like 
all the different, you know, books and things and whatnot. And so all of the clever puns from the Santa Claus, I found to be very clever and very, yes. very cute. And the rose, such a clatter. Yeah, that's, such a that's the one that clatter. sticks in my head. I, I, forever. I, I laughed at it all over again when I watched it recently. Um, the weenie whistle for Judge Reinhold at the end. I can like, that's right up there with the BB gum. I, for, I remember the weenie whistle for some reason. Like that sticks with me. Um, there's pieces of that movie that have that have stuck with me for the last, you know, 27, is that the right number of years? Uh, <laughs> in the same way that I think A Christmas Story has stuck with, you know, other people for 11 extra years. Um, I, I realize this is this is a weird thing because it is not the classic A Christmas Story is. Like, I, it, it's, it's hard to compare. But as a movie that I can watch again and again, I found A Christmas Story... To be really hard to watch in 2021, it felt very Trumpian to me. The the, really? the BB gun vibes really? were very, and like the those were the days vibes. Like oh, back in the day huh. when you could like and like Make just, just like, the angry dad fighting oh, no. with, with the you know oh. the everything about it just felt really ugh, gross and uh, just. I don't know, anti-liberal and blah, and I, I was not a fan, which is so funny to then I, talk about Tim Allen, who is also exactly. yes. So we're really, <laughs> we're, so that's the problem. That's the problem. We have we have Tim Allen before we knew he was a, a dirtbag, and then we have this movie that reminds me of dirtbags. So I I, I I don't know. That's so interesting because, like, I, I in, in all honesty, I think there's some projection of that onto Christmas Story because – I think the BB gun thing is super innocent. I don't look at it as like a, yes. a, a mega thing. Like I genuinely like, and my father would have been around Ralphie's age. I don't think there was anything super like militaristic about it. I think it's just, that was the, like the way that we wanted Nintendos kids in the 1950s wanted BB guns, right? It's not just the BB gun itself. It's, it's the vibe of the movie. It's the, the way the family behaved. It's the incredibly racist scene at the end of the movie. Um, sure. That's yeah, fair. I'm not going to argue that. Yes, that scene can die in a fire. That's um, fair. Um, I, uh, but I, I, I'm sorry, uh, Michael, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Eric. I'm like, I was just going to say, like, uh, Tim Allen, I just, I cannot get past him anymore. And that's not fair either, right? Because, like, he shouldn't ruin an entire movie for me. But I don't see how you separate Tim Allen from, from uh, Santa Claus. He's as integral to that film as Jim Carrey is to Ace Ventura. And so uh, I, to me, I mean, at I, the time, I found him completely lovable. Like in 1994, right? I found him completely charming. I loved um, this, home this was at the height of Home Improvement, yeah. right? I was obsessed with that show, but now and, and Toy Story, and you know, yeah, I just I can't. If you asked me this in 1994, I probably would have said Santa Claus, but I can't now. So I, I think right now, are we split? Is it Michael and I on on Christmas Story, and Joelle and Bob on Santa Claus? I mean, I'm 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 annoyingly on the fence, but I'm leaning towards the Santa Claus, which is. I know, infuriating. Well, I mean, you got to come down on one side now because we got to figure out how know. we're proceeding. So I know, and so if I go with the Santa Claus, it wins because it's the lower seed or the but higher no seed, whatever. No, this one. There, there's, there's no, no seeds. So oh, okay. the way I, think, I think Eric's the tiebreaker, right? The first one I would be, and then it would go to Bob yeah, yeah. and Joelle, then Michael. So, so it really doesn't matter. So a Christmas story would go through either way. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just won't pick. <laughs> I under I understand and I understand why it's going forward too, right? I I said at the beginning I felt like I was going to be on a sinking ship ship and defending it and you know, I think there's there's shades of what Joel was saying in it, but you know, I think overall I mean the Santa Claus has taken. its problems too. Yes. So. Yes, 100%. <clears throat> There's a bunch of fat scenes that are awful, so. Yeah. 
So uh, just to be clear, would you have forced the tie so I've used my tiebreaker? I, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm forcing the tie. Yes. Okay. So the next tiebreaker will go to Bob. That will probably come in shortly. Okay. Uh, okay. So with that oh. being said, we're advancing a Christmas story. Another 75% division, this time between SNL alums. The book of the panel preferred to watch Bill Murray learn the true meaning of a Christmas in Scrooge, while Joelle wanted to stay friends with Will Ferrell's buddy in Elf. Bob, how many fingers does Mrs. Santa Claus have? And why should Scrooge advance? Joelle, why does Elf take your North Pole position? I'm going to have Bob go first. 11. The answer is <laughs> 11. <laughs> so um, for me, Scrooge is the must watch every single year. It is one of my favorite holiday films to watch actually throughout the year. I don't even just watch it at Christmas time because sometimes I just will say a quote um, to myself from that movie and think to myself, I want to watch that now. <laughs> um, Bill Murray is 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 good as he's ever been in, in a movie. Every single word that comes out of his mouth is a hysterical line. It's a great modernization of that tale. Has a great Danny Elfman score. It's well cast. You have Carol Kane uh, as the oh the God. ghost of Christmas present. A like vision. how can you? She was oh, a vision. God. It's a toaster. <laughs> um, again, quotable. Mm-hmm. Um, I for me to look at these two movies next to each other, you have Bill Murray doing the the best Bill Murray, which is he's still he's still playing that character. You have Will Ferrell to me doing the worst. Will Ferrell. It's like his <laughs> first major motion picture. Um, one of one of them, at least. And I just it, I just can't remove the Will Ferrell from it. It's just two hours of him just doing uh, the worst SNL skit acting I've seen. Um, and it's just it's just not a fun movie for me. And I just I just can't separate those things. So um, for me, Scrooge is where I'm going to lean. All right, Joel. Well, well, fine. Uh, well, I will. <laughs> I will start by saying uh, Scrooge was just not a significant thing for me. I, <laughs> full disclosure, I think I mixed up uh, several uh, Bill Murray movies from my childhood into like one giant Bill Murray movie. So I just didn't really remember Scrooge. It's more than that thing that Bill Murray was in, and I didn't remember that he was he was even like a. Scrooge storyline I think like was it Howard the Duck like I was very confused um anyway I did rewatch it recently and went oh okay that's Scrooge I couldn't have told you a single thing about it before a couple days ago Elf is I find to be a delightful movie I understand that it is not for everyone and so I also understand that this might be a losing battle because Will Ferrell is the definition of an acquired taste Uh, also Zoe Deschanel is also the definition of an acquired taste (laughs) very much understandable so this was the beginning of Zoe Deschanel before she kind of annoyed half of America and then was beloved by the other half of America we found out she has the most um, beautiful singing voice uh, in this movie Um, but I think what I love about this movie is that it is by all intents and purposes, a very original plotline, very unexpected, like, you know, little baby turns into this giant elf person and goes off to go figure out where he's from and then teaches the cold, bitter people in New York what this meaning of spirit of Christmas is. And I just find that to be a very cute, sweet story. I think that there's a weird, delightful stop motion component to it, which kind of brings us some little Rankin Bass, uh, you know, throwbacks, which can't hate that um the music in it is fun uh there's some great some great acting character actors in there we got uh is it ed asner is that oh, yeah is yes. that is that is that our santa 
Um, there's, ugh, there's just so many fun people in it. I think the quotes in that movie are ridiculously fun. Son of a Nutcracker is a great thing you could just shout any time of year, not just at Christmas. Um, and then my favorite uh, thing to just know is that Merriam-Webster specifically credits Elf for the popularity of ginormous and why it was added to the dictionary in 2007. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Ginormous has been around since the forties, but Mary Webster was like, elf is why this, mo- this word has come back to our lexicon and why it's now back in the dictionary or in the dictionary in the first place. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I find the movie to be just fun and cute and delightful. I understand that Scrooge has a much longer beloved history and I will not win this battle, but here we are. All right. And I'm and I'm not a Will Ferrell hater like Anchorman. Give me that any any day. I think he's playing that character and he's really lost into the whole Will the whole Anchorman character. It's just this. It was I couldn't not see Will Ferrell. And that's, I think, what bothered me most about um, that movie altogether. But I don't I don't want people to think that I like don't don't like Will Ferrell. You're forgiven. (laughs) It's fine. Michael, where are you on this one? So before I begin my statements, um, <laughs> any comments can be directed to my Instagram at T-H-E-R-A-X 329. I, from the bottom of my soul, hate Elf. Oh, okay. I, like, it, is like, it is like one of those, it is a, for as much as I love Scrooge, like <laughs> it is one of my favorite films of all time, but I hate Elf. It is nails on a chalkboard. To me, I do not, there's not one single thing. But at the other hand, I have to pretend that I like it every year because the rest of my family likes it. So <laughs> simply for my own, for my own sanity, I smile and nod a lot for two hours <laughs> while we watch this film together. My, like, I, my sister lo- loves this film. I hate it with a passion. It's like, it, if I could find every DVD copy of it and find where it's on every server, I would burn it. <laughs> well, there you go. But, but go ahead, Michael. There, <laughs> I know. Tell me how you really right. feel. Um, I don't think I felt no. it enough. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> but but I like Scrooged. I think that it's very obvious. Some of my comments at the beginning is that A Christmas Carol is a classic story that's very important to me as a holiday. And this was like in 1988. This was such a fun and unique take on it. The way that they chose to tell the story. You know, Bill Murray, I don't think that there could have been better casting for that. Karen Allen, you know, Carol Kane, you know, it was across the board. Bobcat Goldthwaite. <laughs> yes. Seriously. This was like, this was really just amazing casting for it. It was an amazing way to tell the story in a fun way that everybody laughs at and ha- re- I think has a really good time. Well, except for the soulless Joel. Um, <laughs> I don't hate Scrooge. I just didn't remember it. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but no, I just love it. So it, it's such a good, but I really do hate Elf. I, I, I can't, I just can't. I, I actually don't hate Elf. I think it's, it's perfectly charming. It just has the misfortune of being up against Scrooge. And I think this is another thing where generationally people who are Gen Xers yes. are probably going to gravitate towards Scrooge in a way that millennials are going to gravitate towards Elf. Because I th- and they can send me all the hate mail in the world. I will say when I was watching it, there were references I and 
and I'm someone that that thinks I understand lots of Gen X references. I have two older brothers that are Gen Xers. Like I, I, I I'm aware of the of the Gen X awareness. Uh, there are a lot of references I just straight up didn't get, and I was like, oh, that sucks. That sucks that I don't understand some of this movie that I think other people are very much loving. I would be um, so happy to like be your clip notes for this. I know. I feel like mm-hmm. I need to sit with someone to have them like you know mansplain it to me. I think I think I need that for the first time ever. I want someone to mansplain this movie to me. Can we find a different term than mansplain so it doesn't have a negative connotation? Can I be like your Sherpa for Scrooge? Because like, I, I, I love this movie so much and it's going to advance by the way. I'm going to guess none of us are going to switch our votes, but um, we will get more into round two as to why I love Scrooge and why um, nothing against Elf. I think it's great. It's a modern classic, but um, to me, this is a no contest because Scrooge. Yeah, I can't even tell you why I enjoyed it in the later round too because i did right. like i said enjoy it when i when i watched it yeah bob you're gonna say can, something can i just say that like so much of these movies are and it's not just christmas movies like this but so much of these movies are just like right place right time you saw it at the right mm-hmm. age you saw it mm-hmm. under the right conditions the first time you saw it right like i think about this a lot when i think about the movie goonies like if you show sure. goonies to an adult okay. they're like boy that's shit but if you see it at the right age you see it at the right time like it imprints on you and you love it and it's something you associate with your childhood this is you know it imprints on you these films that you that you associate with christmas and things that make you feel warm and cuddly at the holiday time right like it's it it's so it this is such a hard debate to go through because it's so much of it comes to your personal preference and what you really feel nostalgic for i guess is yeah the best what way to defines put it, right? holidays for you yeah yeah mm-hmm. and we talked about this bob was on last year's <clears throat> version of this which was the holiday tv special episode and it was the exact same thing if you remember bob that mm-hmm. holiday movies i think like nostalgia exists for all movies i'm sure Goonies is a great example of that. But um, holiday movies in particular, they imprint. I, I mentioned this yeah, in the yes. intro. There is something about them that becomes really personal for you. And that's why you keep revisiting them year after year after year. So it is a little bit um, you're arguing this is my personal favorite over something that is Joelle's <laughs> personal favorite. Nobody's right or wrong here. It's just who has more people on their side for mm-hmm. it. So sorry, democracy, you've won again. Um, <laughs> that being said, we are moving Scrooge forward. Finally, in round one, we were evenly split between cautionary tales with Bob and I preferring holiday horror with gremlins and Michael and Joel going old school with It's a Wonderful Life. Michael, play Zuzu for me and explain why life should get its wings. I will feed the Mogwai after midnight and turn you for gremlins. I'm going to have Michael go first. So, like, when I looked across this entire bracket, like, Gremlins, again, was great. I really do enjoy it. I just rewatched it again in advance of doing this and everything. And I was like, it gave me that warm, fuzzy, mogwai feeling in the middle of my soul that really turns into a gremlin after midnight. But I I really felt like I needed to represent an actual classic mm-hmm. holiday film which is not really on anywhere else on this bracket for yeah. us. I think A Wonderful Life is a great story. I think that, you know, you know, George Bailey represents, despite the fact that it's from the period that it's from, it does represent an everyday man kind of thing. And the whole, like, reinvigorating the, the, the spirit of Christmas in somebody, you know, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings, and, like, Clarence, and bringing, like, that just deep in your soul warm home for the holidays kind of feeling for you that I think a wonderful life brings to everything. If, if the, if things had been differently, gremlins would have moved again, moved forward against a lot of other films in this, um, on the bracket for me, 
you know, just like everybody said with Die Hard earlier, like you guys would have moved Die Hard against if it had been up against something else other than Home Alone. Same thing here. Gremlins would have moved forward for me if it had been in a different bracket for things. But up against um, It's a Wonderful Life, I just can't. It's mm-hmm. like really just food for the soul that comes from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And Bob, I hope you're not going to be too mad at me, but I do think I'm actually going to switch my vote to Wonderful Life. That being, I am very mad. Okay. Go ahead. But that's it. I am going to speak on Gremlins because I love mm-hmm. it and I think it deserves some some repping. But I, I just, Absolutely. spoiler warning, I, I actually agree with Michael that we would be doing a disservice to this bracket if It's a yeah. Wonderful Life did not make at least to Elite Eight because it's kind of like the Ten Commandments around Easter. Like it's just <sighs> a movie that everyone associates with that holiday. And you I think cannot... you mean Passover, Eric. I don't know what you're talking about with Easter. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> thank you so much, Joel. That just made my night. <clears throat> thank you. I am uh, extremely, um, gosh, what's the word? Trash? That's the word I'm looking for. Um, so let me talk about Gremlins. Um, Gremlins is completely unlike anything else that we have on this list. Michael kind of addressed this earlier, which is our only horror film here. Um, but if you're tired of sweet, emotional holiday films and you want something a little bit with a little bit more bite, Gremlins is here for you. The puppets and the special effects in Gremlins are still amazing. Like, what, 30 years later almost? Um, Gizmo remains completely adorable. Howie Mandel is his voice, by the way, in case you did not know this. Um, The gremlins themselves are puckishly charming, even as they're slaughtering dim-witted suburbanites. Um, And a reminder that none of this movie would have happened if Billy's father had just bought his kid something practical. And (laughs) that is really the underlying message by American. That's what I'm saying. Um, Um, Also, none of that would have happened if uh, Corey Wetz's-Face hadn't just poured a bunch of water on the ground. I mean, he just had to keep his water in a cup. That was Corey Feldman. Yep, Corey Feldman. Just Uh, had to keep his water in a cup. That's it. it. Finally, I will say this, Phoebe Cates. Just Mm -hmm. Phoebe Cates. Yes. And that amazing monologue she delivers about- In both Gremlins. Yes. In both Gremlins. Yes. That monologue should be an acting class monologue, by the way, because it is so good the way she delivers it. She's she's perfection. And Bob suggested to me while we were working on this, she's like, we should have the best Phoebe Cates debate. And I was like, Phoebe Cates film debate. I was like, yes, we should. (laughs) Underrated gem of Phoebe Cates. But with that being said, I, I do agree with the argument that in terms of Christmas films, it's a wonderful life has to advance here. Bob, are you going to be sore over that? So a couple things. We're on the best holiday film bracket, not the best Christmas film bracket. Fair. Um, Gremlins. I, here's the thing for me, and it's, it's a wonderful life. It is a wonderful movie. I actually just watched it for the first time for this bracket. And I said to myself, wow, that's really great. It's that's so a well really made. good movie. It Donna is. Reed and J- uh, Jimmy Stewart? James? James? Yes. Ja- James it's Jimmy, Stewart? but he's, he's credited as James Stewart. James Stewart. <laughs> James Stewart. <laughs> I, have not a see- I have not seen a better pair on screen from that era than those two. I thought they were wonderful together. I thought the story was really good from beginning to end. It's, it has that kind of stop and go of some of those old movies where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, it's going to fade to black, and then we fade up on a new kind of section of their life or the story, right? Mm-hmm. It's it it people love it and love to watch it at the holidays i know there's a portion of it that takes place at christmas but it's not a holiday movie um i guess gremlins to your point is unlike anything on this bracket it is actively a christmas or holiday movie it opens with holiday songs it's one of the play that play over the credits 
it is very much Christmas throughout that entire film. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to throw throw my last whatever at Gremlins that I agree with everything you say about A Wonderful Life, but I well, I don't relate it as a holiday movie. Can I can I give you one little piece of convincing um, evidence sure. for you? Uh, I, I'm going to lose either way. I but, know, but in, can I just tell yeah. you in, in the first um, eight minutes of the movie Gremlins, the mother is cooking in the kitchen, and what do you think is on the TV that she's watching? It's a Wonderful Life. The last five minutes of It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> yep. In home. No, I'm sorry. In Christmas Vacation, they're watching the yeah. angel gets its wing. Yeah. wings. Yeah. And the reason that it's always that section of the movie is because that's the only section of that entire movie that has to do with Christmas. <laughs> but it, it's also, I mean, thematically, I think it is very resonant for the holiday season. And I don't want to go too much into it because we'll go into it in round two as it advances. Yes. <clears throat> but um, Bob, I, I am sorry. I let you down. No, it's by good. Repping for Gremlins, but. For all of the like, com- it, for all the complaints that like Joel and I had like with the Christmas story, this is an old kind of like old version of America that's that's not as icky. In that, that is way. such a good point, and I want to hold on mm-hmm. to that because it's a yeah. great thing to discuss as we go into round two. And with that, <laughs> mm-hmm. we are going to close out round one. We're going to take a break to check if our shitter's full. So we'll be right back <laughs> after these messages. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to round two of our best holiday film debate. While we were gone, I was visited by three spirits who taught me how to live, laugh, and love. Speaking of communing with people who you can't see, I wanted to ask my panel, how can people find you on social media? Bob? Well, if you want to complain to me, you can find me at Eric Resnia <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Spell it, Bob. I am, Spell it. I am at DisNerdBob um, at all those all those things that you could use, like the Twitter and the Instagram and um, all of that. So at DisNerdBob. Great, Joelle. Uh, well, if you want to tell me what your least favorite scene from Love Actually is, or if you want to yell at me about any of my opinions, uh, you can find me at JoelleTB on Twitter. Um, and if you want to follow Animal Crossing news, I'm at the Pocket Pod on Twitter. And please don't yell at Joelle. She's lovely. Um, <laughs> and Michael, how about you? All elf hate mail can go to Therax329. That's T-H-E-R-A-X 329 on Instagram. Great. And as for me, you should definitely follow at Great Pop Culture Debate on Instagram and at Culture underscore Debate on Twitter, but also feel free to follow at Eric Resniak on Instagram. Moving on to the debates. First up, we have National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation versus Home Alone. And I believe we are unanimous that the nope. dysfunctional Griswold clan. What was that? Is that a nope? That was a no for me, mister. Oh, okay. I'm going to back it up. It's on. So, okay, uh, we're going to take a step back and see why Joelle's wrong. We <laughs> were unanimous that the dysfunctional Griswold clan and its hellish holiday season outmatches the McAllisters and their casual criminal negligence. But Joelle, go on. <laughs> go off. 
I had a big old change of heart after watching the Griswolds have their Christmas vacation in the last few days. Um, this was the reason my husband said, boy, that JTT movie was better than this. What? <laughs> what? Madness. <laughs> and I went, wait, what? And then I watched it and I was like, yep, no, I can see why you're bored out of your mind. Um, it is a slow movie. It is a slow movie. Uh, and if you don't like Chevy Chase, which, you know, the, here we are, Chevy Chase is not a fun person to watch uh 30 years 40 years later um is it 30 something years later i can't keep I it's can't math. 30 something it's, it was 1989 so it's 32 yeah, 32 years later yeah um chevy chase sucks but anyway uh <laughs> national land he i mean he was beloved at a time but now he kind of sucks have you he, you know he does it? suck currently mm, agreed. it's true yeah. agreed. okay I don't have to do any more than that. Um, watching this movie was n- less fun than I remember. Now, there are scenes, beloved scenes, that I find completely nostalgia-worthy that I understand why the love is still there. And I was right there. I was, like, cracking up at the at the lights, at the holiday lights and the all the antics of getting the lights to turn on and the Julie Louis-Dreyfus falling out of her fucking oh bed and the all the glass breaking and the squirrel in the house. And there's so many great moments. I get it. But there were also scenes that made me want to like just bite, I don't know, pencils in half. I just, <laughs> I was so angry. The cat scene was more traumatizing than I remember, probably because I'm a cat mom now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Clark Griswold um, waxing nostalgic about all things uh, Christmas. I just wanted him to shut his gap and let other people talk once in a while. Um I found uh, the whole thing about him not managing his money well to be incredibly boring and stupid. And like, he's just a ridiculously dumb human being. Um, I I don't know. I just found him unlikable. And then I went back and was like, nope, I really still like Home Alone better than this. And that was where it was. Like, if I'm going to watch a movie once a year, every year, I'm going to watch Home Alone. If I'm going to watch a movie once every five to 10 years, National Lampoon. I mean, Oops. I'm not going to argue with you that Clark Griswold is unlikable and idiot. He is both of those things. I, I don't like Michael and Bob. Do you watch the movie because of Clark? No. No, like I, I watch for Beverly D'Angelo. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> of course. Long, and Juliette Lewis. I mean, can, can I like? Ellen. Can I get a version of the movie without him <laughs> ogling the lady's boobs in the pool scene? Because I would that kill for that. I would kill for out for that scene to just burn in a fire. It, it it's funny because as we're now describing it, like that, that's his character is kind of the perfect encapsulation of douchebag white bro in the 1980s. But, but that's, that's also that, National Lampoon, right? It like is, that's. But I actually love because this movie is him suffering, yes. like an endless mm-hmm. buffet of suffering <laughs> right. for Clark Griswold. It's like a constant comeuppance. For being an entitled prick, but, Am but like I everyone hugs him and everyone loves him and they celebrate him and his boss gives in and gives him his bonus anyway. And Brian Doyle Murray shouldn't have given up like that. It's Brian Doyle Murray. Stick to your guns, Brian Doyle Murray. <laughs> I love Brian Doyle Murray. Anybody, give me somebody while I'm waiting. <laughs> um, well, I just need to say this, Joel. First of all, will you do me a favor and just pause and go make sure there's not a gas leak in your home? Because the idea that this movie is boring, like, no, it can be argued of many things and problematic certainly is among them. I mean, we talked about Chevy Chase, but Randy fucking Quaid. I mean, does it yeah. get more problematic than that? No. But the movie itself, and weirdly, I can separate this movie from those two more than I can separate yes. the Santa Claus from Tim Allen. 
The movie, I think, is really more of an ensemble piece. Yes, Chevy is the lead character, but holy shit, like every second and tertiary character in this film is hilarious. There are times that like even dumb lines that aren't funny are super funny because of the way that they're they are delivered. Like the Ellen's mother, who's played by Doris Roberts, every Doris word Roberts. out of her mouth in that movie, even if it is like pay by check, not by credit card. Like she's so funny because yes. of the way she delivers it in this boozy at like night. And they're all in the drunk morning. and martinis yes. on the lawn. I know, I know. Like those parts are lovely. I get it. And they're all wearing stupid hats and they're drinking out of reindeer glasses. All that I get, I get. They're like yes. those are the parts I love. But then I was just irritated for the other half of the movie. Heavy <laughs> chase parts, which I mean, your mileage may vary. I'll give you that. Yes. But I love the fact that again, even the parts that are mostly Chevy is him suffering. And I take ple- I take pleasure in it. Um, Bob, where are you on this? I think both of these movies are very similar in the fact that it's they're both families that I think lots of people can relate to, and you can relate to kind of like just the the like the dread of the holidays of being with family and being with people who you love, but also sometimes really hate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I, I talked about the imprinting in the first half of this debate where like you see it at the right place, right time. I was far too young to see national Lampoon's Christmas vacation the first time I saw it. Same. So that's why I absolutely <laughs> fucking love it to death. Um, I, it's just so funny. So quotable. It's I, I shouldn't say this, but kids can love it and adults. And I think kids and adults both love home alone, but I think it's a little too sweet for me. Mm. Um, in the end, I like, a little bit more misery in my holiday film. You know, these um, two movies came out less than a year from each other, actually. I'm, yeah. Really? Yeah. How interesting. But with very different And they're both John Hughes movies. films. Yeah, they're both written by John Hughes. Right. Yeah, but one's mm-hmm. National Lampoon and one yes. is Chris yeah. Columbus. Yeah. One is for adults <laughs> and one's really for families. I, I think, Eric, for me, you hit it with regards to the ensemble cast piece of this, right? Like, it's just everybody is on their game. This is by far the best Lampoon's movie oh, there easily. is. Yes. So, I mean that. Um, yeah, that I can yeah. agree with. <laughs> Michael, where are you? Oh, the, I, I honestly, I'm still flabbergasted that we're even having this debate. Um, <laughs> in Joel's that, defense, it's no, not no, like I, it's Joel some... is entitled. As we say at the great pop culture debate, you're entitled to your opinion, no matter how wrong it might be. Yeah, my point though is like it's up against Home Alone, which is a very good movie. It's just mm. this is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And I disagree. Like, I don't, I, I mean, Home Alone's an okay, but it's not a great movie as far as I'm concerned, you know? But I, again, I think I said this at the beginning, I like a little bit more definitely offbeat, not the kind of like cookie cutter films that are. I didn't, Home Alone's not a, a film that I watch year after year after year. I might watch it. This is my once every five to 10 years, I might right. throw on Home Alone if I have nothing else and I've been through everything else. But okay. I think that, I think Christmas Vacation is is a perfect film for like, it really talks about everything that we hated about the eighties, the, the, the everything that was about it. And it makes fun of all of it. And I think that that is the, the satirical nature that comes out of, you know, national lampoon. They wanted to make fun of everything that everybody loved about the eighties, the consumerism, the like every single thing about it. It really does kind of revel in how awful the yes. upper middle class white America suburbanites were like it really pillories that community in a way that not a lot of films were at that time if we're being honest correct yeah which i think is great 
Um, can, yes. can I say like both of these films should probably be final four films. And unfortunately we have them pitted against I one another here. That. This is really an unfortunate pair. It yeah, is. And, I agree. And I'm regretting putting home alone two in my bracket. Cause this would have been a much higher seed hat or whatever. You're not going down a seed, but whatever we did here, <laughs> it would have been much higher on the list. Had I put home alone one on the bracket. So I only <laughs> could only have myself to blame here. <clears throat> It's okay. So I think, Joelle, we are three to one for National Lampoon. So yeah. we're going to move well, that then, one forward. Just justice for Catherine O'Hara and her lovely. She she's my she's my my uh, movie mother. That's what I refer she to her as. She has a chance in the next I round. I was going to say, speaking yeah, of which, she's not gone yet because she's still not here. If I have anything to say about <laughs> it. <laughs> versus pieces of April, I believe. Right now, it is three to one in favor of Nightmare. Oh, I'm going to lose every round here. Yeah, I think. I was about to say, Joelle, I need you to prepare yourself because things are not looking great. For Am you. I the Curtis of this round? Out of this one? <laughs> yes, yes, you are. You might be, uh, or the Ama, depending on how you or want to play I'm either Curtis or Ama, depending. Amy also. Yes. Or Amy. Uh, <laughs> I feel for all three of them right now. So, Joelle, do you want to make a last-ditch pitch for April, or at this point, is anyone it's, swayable? I mean, all I can say is that Nightmare Before Christmas, like it is the story of someone who does not understand Christmas, someone who is tired of his of his Halloween life and he's trying to figure something else out. And he goes and he steals Christmas and he ruins Christmas. And then at the end of it, he like figures out how to like quickly save Christmas and like let Santa Claus go. I just like it. He doesn't actually understand Christmas, and it does. I don't get the, the Christmas vibes. All the music is Halloween to me. It's not very Christmassy to me. I don't listen to the soundtrack outside of the Halloween. Season. I don't watch this movie outside of the Halloween season. I love this movie right now. We are we are recording this on November second. This is Halloween right now. I am into this movie today. I am not into this movie four weeks from now. Interesting. And I would say I think of it equally at both holidays. I really do. Mm -hmm. To me, it's not one or the other. Agreed. Uh, Bob and Michael, are you going to? I I have a zero point zero percent chance of switching my vote to Pieces of April. Michael and I, Bob. For I, I love Pieces of April. Uh, I don't think it's as rewatchable or as as really indicative of the the full holiday season as <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas is. Um, and again, Nightmare Before Christmas is like one of my all time favorite films of all time. Um, you can go see the Tim Burton episode if you'd like. Um, right. Even though I even struggled to have it on the Tim Burton list because he didn't direct it. But. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could talk about that too, but anyway. <laughs> and Michael. I, there is no way that you would ever change my mind about this. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Joel, for the second time in a row. Uh, but you can take Dallas Catherine O'Hara. Garrett, Catherine O'Hara, right? Exactly. <laughs> Catherine O'Hara. Me, me and Moira Rose will go and have a few drinks. It'll be fine. Tinfoil it's the lining. bracket where she currently is. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we are evenly split between A Christmas Story and The Family Stone. Bob, oh. dig for votes for Stone, the way that Sarah Jessica Parker sounds like she's digging for clams. Well, I will explain that if we dismiss Christmas Story, we'll be shooting our eye out. Bob, do you want to go ahead and lead us through this one? So both, I guess both of these would be considered on ensemble casts, but sure. for me, ensemble casts are where, or my sweet spot. I absolutely love a big cast with lots of people, lots of actors, lots of characters. Everybody's great in this movie. I do a lot. Some people will argue about this movie, um, Family Stone a little bit that it's like, gosh, could the, could this family become, have more like more diversity to it right like you want you want diversity in your cast but it's like they've got everything in this family you want it they've got it um i know that could be a criticism of it um but i think it's just such an interesting ensemble of different different people with um with different 
kind of going on different walks of life. Um, you know, I think everybody's really good in this, in this, uh, sorry, I lost my, I lost my, my momentum. Sorry, folks. If you want me to help, I can let me know. Yep. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, you know, I think everybody, everybody in this cast is exceptional. I think Diane Keaton is, um, giving one of the best performances that she, that she's ever given. Um, I, I think that, um, Joelle, can you step in here? I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> um, I, I would say Rachel McAdams is like the highlight yes, of this entire so movie. She is the most relatable character. She's like what I think is the audience surrogate, like looking at her whole kooky family and judging everyone top to bottom. Um, I think Sarah Jessica Parker is oddly enough, like I, I didn't think she was going to be the villain of the movie. And then you watch this movie and you're like, oh no. And then they figure out how to make her likable at the end. And it, it, it's incredible. It, I, I think this movie is a fun watch beginning to end multiple times in a row, um, which is unexpected for a movie of this type. I also think the rom-com aspects of this movie are superfluous to the family aspects of this movie, which is what makes it a proper holiday movie, because I don't think you need it to be a rom-com to be a holiday, or I don't think it needs to, I don't think it needs to be a rom-com, you know, as, as much as it needs to be a family movie for it to be a holiday movie. I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, Has Claire Danes ever looked so pretty? Oh my God. Claire Danes is incredible. She just waltzes into this movie and you're like, okay, can she just run the show from now on? (laughs) Uh, She just just steals the show and Dermot Mulroney does not know what to do with himself and it's great. Um, I I don't know. Everyone in this movie is fantastic and I wanted to punch Sarah Jessica Parker, which is great because who doesn't at some point in their life? Um, Never. Oh, Oh, I do. (laughs) Come on. This might be the only point that, that Joelle and I agree on about this movie. You've never watched every episode of Sex and City and at some point wanted to punch Sarah Jessica Parker? Yeah, I I'm a it. bad homosexual. I've never watched Sex and oh. the City for the most part. Oh. <laughs> like, I, I get it. I get Carrie. I get her. And I understand, like, she's a, a flawed protagonist. But that is neither here nor there because we're that's, not talking about that. Yeah, that's not relevant, I guess. But anyway, the point is this weird NPR family, uh, incredibly liberal, can't handle this uh, lady coming out of, you know, conservative... I don't know, other side of Connecticut, I guess. Uh, Connecticut, just, drink. Yep. I'm just going to drop Connecticut left and right around here. Um, I don't know. I This movie is just delightful and fantastic. And I could watch it over and over again. And it doesn't make me angry, angry the way A Christmas Story does. So here we are. It's interesting because I find, and don't get me wrong, The Family Stone is a comedy. It does make me laugh. But what I think is so special about this movie, I was bawling when I watched this movie in the theater. I was yeah. actually like heaving sobs with the I do remember that the first time. You don't it cry was, after the first time. No. It, Did we see it together? No, I saw it when I was in Virginia. Um, mm. So it definitely was uh, on, and that was part of why I was crying. I could not get home for the holidays because <sighs> of, work would not let me off. And it was a very difficult time for my family. And I'm sitting there watching this in the theater, just sobbing openly. It was very embarrassing, but welcome to my life. Um, that, so I think it's a great movie. I love this movie but I'm putting it up against a Christmas story. And I understand the concerns that you all have for Christmas story. And I think that I don't need to tell you your opinions are valid, right? Thank you, Eric, for validating my opinions. But um, I, I think that there is a lot of incredibly memorable moments that are embedded in Christmas story, like it or not. And Family Stone has very few of those. It is overall a really well-told tale that's both funny and very emotional. But Christmas story is scene after scene after scene that are take a drink iconic 
Uh, Michael, did you want to say anything else? I'm going to preface this by saying, Amy Pilot, this is for you. I'm going to walk out. I swear to <laughs> God, <laughs> if, if, if this happens the way that I think this is going to happen, like Amy, I swear to God, I now, I now, I think I truly understand the soul of Amy Pilot at the moment. Go ahead. It is just it, no. It is I. I, I Family Stone is a okay film for me. It is not. It, it yeah. It's about a dysfunctional family, but it doesn't. It, doesn't scream Christmas for me. I am going to disagree wholeheartedly with Bob and Joel on this one for you. I will probably never watch this movie again after having rewatched it for like this podcast for us. But a Christmas story I will watch year after year because it is such it is such a part of the cultural I, uh, canon for a lot of reasons that we've seen everything. And I've made those points earlier when we were arguing about a Christmas story versus the Santa Claus. Joel, can you I make say something? Can I make a case for the fact that this is the final movie on the list that uh, was created after the year two thousand? Really? Is that true? Everything else we is have nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety three. This is two thousand five, and then uh, Christmas Stories eighty three, Scrooge and Wonderful Life uh, eighty eight, and nineteen forty six. Interesting. Yeah. That's a that's mm. an interesting thing. I do think we are deadlocked right now. Are we? <coughs> are we not? We are. We are. And that means and the Bob is the tiebreaker. And Bob, I do not want you to feel pressure for that. And Michael is not going to walk off the podcast. Can, so sure? I, this reminds me of a story. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> last year, I was on the best holiday special. Yes. And I was in this exact <laughs> oh same God, fucking so position. Bring it back, Bob. Bring it back. Where it was Rudolph against Mickey's Christmas Carol. Yeah. And... They dragged me for not for like, how could you not pick Rudolph? How could you not pick Rudolph? How could you not pick it? Follow your I heart, was, Bob. Uh, and that's exactly I think what I, I might too. Like I You have hey, my Joel, I have my support. I'm not emotionally Joel, don't get too far ahead of yourself. I see what you did to the bracket. I'm not emotionally moved <laughs> in any way by a Christmas story, right? There both of these movies, I guess, are yeah, I won't say that. I <laughs> <laughs> the Family Stone for me is is a really wonderful movie with a great cast and a great performance is a great story. And it makes me feel something in the end. Again, the vignettes of a Christmas story, they don't have any impact on me whatsoever. And it I get the iconic moments piece. I'm not trying to debate the best I, the the best iconic moments movie. We also have other movies left on this list that have plenty of iconic moments. Correct. In. You are correct. We're yeah, moving. And Family Stone is not one of them. But it's Christmas, and you know what I want for Christmas? <laughs> the family stone in the final four. <laughs> okay, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> when I'm looking at the future of this bracket, I don't think it ultimately matters, is no, my guess. it doesn't. It doesn't. But regardless, if you feel hot about that, that's okay. This is the holidays, and we're allowed to be angry to be at each other. <laughs> I mean, um, here's the thing. If I had my way, the family stone wouldn't even have been the one on this list <laughs> To, to fit this bill. There were seven other movies that were better than The Family Stone. Yeah, how did this movie even end up on here? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. I was, I, honestly, I was honestly surprised it did. I did because I saw other people were adding it and I wanted to make sure a movie like this ended up on the list. Oh. I stand by it being on the list. I actually think it is a very good movie. Is it yeah, a Final Four I, I movie? I stand by it too. I'm not sure, but no. we will acknowledge the fact that there are several cases in this bracket where it was unfortunate matchups that were too intense 
And then there are other ones where it's like, well, I don't really care about either one of these. <laughs> so in the interest of time, we're going to advance Family Stone. I'm sorry, Michael. I'm sorry to the Christmas Story fans. You can come at us, TBS, come at me at my and, and on on Twitter. Characters um, welcome. Characters welcome. Uh, with that being said, finally, it's Bill Murray Scrooge up against It's a Wonderful Life. And right now, people tell me if I'm wrong, three quarters of the panel has Scrooge hitting George <laughs> Bailey in the face with a toaster. Joelle, are you still sticking with It's a Wonderful Life? I mm. am. I have to. This is a lovely, lovely movie. And I want, I just want to see it through. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. I have to. I saw it for the first time, like Bob, very recently. But it's been in my life for as long as I can remember without even knowing it. And I was amazed by how witty the dialogue was for 1946. I had no idea how smart this was. Frank Capra is better than I realized. I guess he's the director. These three people that wrote it, including Frank Capra, are better than I realized. So I think this one's going to come down to other also people in the audience listening to this and saying WTF. How is It's a Wonderful Life being beaten out for Final Four? But I'm going to go with Bob here. I have to go with my heart and my gut. And I'm talking about personally, which film I will watch over and over and over again. I'm going to go with Scrooged. (laughs) All day, all night. It's a Wonderful Life is a wonderful film. And I'm glad it made Elite Eight. But I, I, yes, it is one of the like classic, iconic Christmas films. But I'm not sure for audiences under the age of 40, it is as important as it was for people over the age of 40. And I think, um, yes, it's it's kind of been used over and over and over again in other properties. It's referenced in movies on this list. But I don't see why that should be necessarily why it continues to the final four. Michael, where are you? I'm sticking with Scrooge because it is going to be the only Christmas Carol type movie that's going to make it for it. I love A Wonderful Life and I argued very much for it. Um, the last round, but Scrooged is what's going to move forward for me. And thank you. That's a good argument pointing out that it's essentially the, a Christmas Carol and therefore it is a more classic air. than a wonderful life. Yeah, that's well, a great it's point. It's funny because It's a Wonderful Life has a little bit of a Christmas Carol vibes in it, right? Because they show no. him what, what life would be like without him. It's a little, it's a little bit, obviously it's not the same thing at all, but they, but you know, there's that part where Clarence is like, well, here's what the whole light, what the whole town would have been like if you didn't exist. And yeah. you know, showing him if, you know, if his life had been different or not I existent. Totally see that. It's basically like, the powers that be intervening in a man's life to try to change course <laughs> through the spirit of Christmas. Like I, I can 100% see those parallels. Angels or ghosts, the same idea. Sure. Um, Bob, you stick him Scrooged? Uh, of course I am. Yes. So <clears throat> Joel, I'm sorry. That was a rough, <laughs> a rough round two for you. I um, mean, <laughs> one out of four, it's better, better than some, better than some. So we have a final four of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation versus The Nightmare Before Christmas and The Family Stone versus Scrooge. Uh, if you have very intense thoughts about that, please reach out to the <laughs> podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to have conversation with you. This is always the start of a conversation, not the be all and end all. Uh, I'm going to go around the horn for the first matchup, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation versus Nightmare Before Christmas. Bob, where are you, where are you going? <sighs> Surprisingly... <laughs> I'm going to pick National Lampoons over Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Uh, Joelle? Um, Unsurprisingly, I'm definitely not voting for Nightmare, so National Lampoon. Okay. And Michael? National Lampoon. Wow. We had unanimous decision. Look at us. We're growing (laughs) like a family. We're coming together. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's the Christmas miracle, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so it's it's a unanimous National Lampoon that advances to the final two. And I'm sure this is going to be an interesting one, too. Family Stone versus Scrooge. We're going to go reverse order. Michael, I can't imagine what you're going to pick here. <laughs> Don't you people dare, dare even think about it. <laughs> I, I, Amy, I can, I'm sorry, Joelle, I can, I, yeah. <laughs> that we're we're interchangeable, but we're not interchangeable. <laughs> I can feel your thoughts all the way over here. You don't, don't know you me. Dare. You don't know me. You didn't know her life. I'm going with Scrooge, obviously. All right, Joelle. Believe it or not, I just wanted to see a Christmas story go, and I wanted to see a rom-com slash family drama make it somewhere to the top, but I'm going with Scrooge too, because it is much more a holiday movie, I agree. Amazing. I like you again. Bob. <laughs> Bob Goulet's old-fashioned Cajun Christmas. I'm picking. I'm picking Scrooge. Amazing. Unreal. Okay, so after all of that sturm and drang in round two, we have unanimous decisions in round three. It's a SNL versus SNL over here. This is a Ooh. wild ride. Okay, final two: National Lampoon versus Scrooge. I have to say, personally, on a metal perspective, these are the two movies I have to watch. Every year, <laughs> yes, yes. every single year, you, you rig this whole damn thing, Eric. I knew it. You do it every time. I, I don't do it every time, but I might have done it this time. Um, and I will say, ask Bob, ask people who've known me for many years. I quote both of these movies constantly, whether it's Christmas or not. Um, they are both highly quotable films. They are both fantastic in production value, in casting, in writing. I think in pacing, Joelle might disagree, but I'm going to go around the horn. And this time we're going to start with Joelle. Which one wins? Um, well, this one's tough because Brian Doyle Murray is in both of these. If, yes. And one of these, he's in it more than the other. And because I'm a big fan of Brian Doyle Murray, listen to my other podcast if you want to know why. Um, I'm going to have to go National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Interesting. All right. Uh, I'm going to have Michael go second. Oh. Uh. This is so hard for me because I do love both of them. But I think when it comes down to it, the core of my Christmas being is that the the ghost did it all in one night. So I'm going to go with Scrooged. Bob. So I, to your point, Eric, absolutely need to watch these movies every single year i actually watch scrooge as i said earlier i watch it multiple times a year whenever mm-hmm. i'm in the mood or make a quote randomly make a quote from it like how many fingers does mrs santa claus have mm-hmm. here um there is there's a very there's a distinct difference i think in these two movies is in that i think scrooge has a little bit more i don't know if sophistication is the right word for it it's a it's a oh, true holiday yeah. it's a true holiday tale Right. It's it's a Christmas story that's very known and beloved with a modern twist with really smart casting, really smart writing. It's not playing to the to the lowest common denominator in any way. At moments, it probably is. For example, you see, you can't see her nipples and she's really trying. <laughs> and they're really trying. <laughs> and they're really trying. Or have you tried staples? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> But I, I, there's just, for me, Christmas Vacation, as much as I love it, it's a little too manic, a little too messy um, for me to see that it's a better movie than Scrooged. I, I don't know. I, when you want to, if we want to go down to like, what's the best holiday movie? Is it about being a good movie? Is it about the nostalgia of a, of a holiday film? I don't know how, I, I think I balance both of those things with Scrooge. Scrooged. Yeah. So I'm going with Scrooged. 
So this is a really hard one for me and I'm not going to allow a tie. I will not do that. So here's where I'm going to say, um, I think Scrooge has more heart to it. And I think if we're talking mm-hmm. about which one of these movies will you finish and have an upbeat feeling and have that, that Christmassy feeling that you're looking for, you get that in Scrooge with the Annie Lennox sing along, put a little love in your heart at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're talking about scenes, I mean, this is kind of the argument against Christmas story that you guys used was lots of little vignettes, except those all the ones in, in Christmas vacation all do have a purpose and all do line up to tell the plot, but it really is a bunch of different vignettes, right? Like, yeah. The whole ladder scene is not actually important to the plot, but it's funny as hell when the ice thing with that sound effect that will never not make me laugh shoots <laughs> out and blows up their stereo. Like yeah. oh my that's God. amazing. The, the ice cannon right into yes. their into their bedroom. Yes. Yeah. And then Julia Louis Dreyfus with the <laughs> and what why is the floral wet, Todd? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> and then <laughs> like the squirrel in the tree, oh the God. turkey that is, that is incinerated, and they're all there, like chewing on the like <laughs> the, like naugahyde turkey. Um, the, we mentioned the sledding scene. Um, like there's also really funny lines when like he takes Eddie shopping and he brings up the fact that Eddie has no money, and he's like, "Oh, all the money's gone." He's like, "Well, what happened to all that money or, or you sent to that preacher who was screwing the hockey guy?" He's like, "Oh, he can fend for himself." Like there's just so many. St- Stupid <laughs> lines that are so funny. Um, I think Christmas Vacation. Oh, mother. Oh, oh mother. Um, <laughs> Christmas Vacation. Oh, yeah. Your mother waxes her upper lip? Hmm. Yeah, she has three years. Mother- Doesn't show. <laughs> like, that is such a burn. Um, I think the, the writing is funnier in Christmas Vacation and it has more funny moments. But what is a better holiday film? I think it's Scrooge because we've mentioned Carol Kane multiple times. But also mm-hmm. Buster Poindexter is amazing as the ghost of Christmas past. And that yeah. whole sequence in the 1950s in the studio is really, really well done. And you've got... Um, John Forsyth playing the mm. the Bob Cratchit character, which is fucking perfect. And then the Ghost of Christmas Future is terrifying in that movie. And there's the part where he's walking like to see the incinerator, and like the walls are sliding in on him. Like that was really good filmmaking. It was really effective. Um, and Karen Allen's amazing, by the way. In, in that Wendy Malick. Wendy Malick. <laughs> Briefly. There's so many, like, Mary Lou Retton as Tiny Tim. Exactly. <laughs> the solid gold dancers. dancers we... Everyone's favorite old fart. Read, Read the book. book. Um, <laughs> like, the Pope blessing the entire Zulu nation. Like, it's also really ridiculous, but in the best possible ways. So that's where I'm coming down on this. I think you will mm-hmm. argue, and I will agree with you, that National Lampoon's is funnier and has more iconic scenes, but I think Scrooged on the whole is a better holiday movie. And that's why I'm going with Scrooged. I, so, I think um, if I can just add, cause I haven't talked about Scrooge at all. And like I said, I hadn't watched it until recently. I, it is a brilliant movie, right? Like it, it's, it's meta more than I actually expected it to be yeah. like the way it references itself within itself with the movie within the movie. And um, the, the, like all of the different cameos that they have, the, including the ones I don't understand, but I, I recognize that they are still cameos. Um, <laughs> I think uh, there's, there's something for everyone. So, you know, while not all of those things are for me, it sounds like there's something for everyone on this, on this panel, the, you know, the, the ghost of Christmas future scared the crap out of me, but it sounds mm-hmm. like that's what some people like about 
about Christmas. You want horror yes. in your in your Christmas? Great. Thank um, you. I want Carol Kane in every in everything. So that that was for me. That she was exactly for me. Uh, and I want Mary Lou Retton in everything too. So she was also for me. Those two parts of the movie were for me, and that was probably it. And that's okay. <laughs> also, Mama Fratelli is in this. And movie. Brian and the yes. Brian Doyle Murray four second cameo was for me as well. Correct. That was Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> was it the homecoming episode? Yes, yes it, it was, was the, the homecoming, homecoming episode. episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think right now it's three for Scrooged, one to National Lampoon. Am I correct? Yeah, but that's okay. So I can I, live with it. I don't think we're going to get to consensus, but I do think that we have a winner. So there you have it, folks. Our pick for the best holiday film of all time is Scrooged. Do you agree with our choice? Do you think this was a silly waste of resources? Let us know your pick <laughs> by leaving a comment on this episode at greatpopculturedebate.com or yell at us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. While you're there, make sure that you like and subscribe for more great pop culture debate content. I want to say thank you to my panelists. You are always welcome at the Resniak Family Christmas, although I would not wish that on my worst enemy. (laughs) And thank you for listening. Until next time, remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions, and we hope you have a wonderful holiday season. We worked really hard, Eric. So do washing machines. Time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.